we're looking at the subject of true worship. And true worship is uh, it's really a, a meeting word. It's a word where uh, we respond to a meeting with a person. I thought, in a room of this size, I thought there must be some people who've met some famous people. Okay? And I thought, let's see if we can find out who's met the most famous person amongst us. And you can't answer Jesus, all right? That's, I don't want that answer, because that, that's obviously where I'm going to be going. But, so I've got a roving mic. So if you're feeling... All I'm going to ask you is just the name of the person. And when I say meet, I don't mean you saw them at a distance at a train station and it wasn't really them. I don't mean that sort of meeting. I mean face-to-face, close-up meeting. Okay, so who's, who's brave? Okay, well, let's, let's see. Joe. President Carter. President <laughs> Carter. Okay. Roger, and Roger Moore. What face? Oh, my goodness, she's got loads. What did you used to do, Joe? No, no, anyway. Oh, was... Prince Charles. Prince Charles. And how did you respond to the prince? We had dinner. Ooh. <laughs> okay, anybody? Cliff Richard. I, I've met Cliff Richard, that's nothing. <laughs> Bill Gates. Bill Gates at the back, that's pretty good. One of the richest guys in the world. This guy here. Uh, I served Tom Hardy, made him a cocktail. Now, I don't know who that is. <laughs> but I'm sure it's very impressive. <laughs> um, I once met Louis Walsh at Winter Wonderland. Ooh, it's, going, it's definitely going downhill. I think we are... Uh, Bill Gates... Uh, well done, Clive, with the Bill Gates at the back. Um, so, yeah, it's... So, worship... And there's a reason for doing that. It's to help you remember. Worship is a, a meeting word. It's a word about how we respond. So I, I did meet Cliff Richard. Uh, yeah. And uh, I gave him an ironing board. If you're interested, I'll tell you later. It wasn't very interesting. Anyway, so, yeah. And, uh, but no, Bill Gates, that's right. And President Carter. Some big names. Um, but obviously, we're talking about meeting with Jesus. That's what we're talking about this morning. And how we respond to meeting with him. So Jesus told a, a, a story. Well, he, he met this woman in Samaria, who we'll look at. And he told her some amazing things about what true worship is. Because uh, I think when you hear the word worship, for some people, it can be a bit of a switch off. You think, well, that sounds like a religious word. That's like a... I'm not interested in, in religion and being all funny. It sounds very odd. But um, it's, it, I want you to understand, it's, it's meeting with Jesus. That's what we're talking about. It's meeting a person and how you respond to that person. And Anyway, we're going to look at this amazing passage where Jesus taught what well, it is to be true worship. See, sometimes you can look at somebody who we might say is a, a true worshiper and you think, well... You know, I don't really like that. That's, that's not me. But actually, God 
wants all of us to be true worshippers. In fact, you can be a true worshipper. Okay, that's what we're looking at. What does it mean to meet and respond to God? So this is the story. So if we click on through, I don't have a clicker. So we're going to read together. If you've got a Bible, we're looking at John chapter 4, where Jesus meets this woman and says some amazing things. So Jesus has been in the south in Judea, and he's got to go back to Galilee. So he had to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was in between uh, Judah and Galilee. And the quickest way through was straight up. Okay. And what's interesting is the Jews hated the Samaritans. I mean, really hated them. It's worse than Southampton and Portsmouth. Football fans. It's worse than that. Okay. Really, anyway, so he's going through Samaria, and he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Let's keep going. So, I think we've missed a slide there. Let me read it from the Bible. It would be easier. Is it there? When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Hungry disciples. The Samaritan woman, no, ordinary guys, said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as he did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be a spring of well water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. He told her, Go back and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Now it gets a bit awkward. <laughs> Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. And here is an understatement. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one I'm speaking to you, 
am he. It's an amazing meeting. Jesus and this woman, face to face. And uh, I'm going to look at this passage in kind of three headings. So if we move on to the next slide, hopefully that'll be there. And I want to talk about this right response to Jesus, the revelation of who Jesus is. So what's the right response? Then I want to talk about the location of worship. I now have a clicker. It's good, isn't it? Woo! And I want to talk about the overflow of true worship, what true worship will actually do in your life, how it will change you. So those are the three things. And let's first look at right response. So um, the reason I did that kind of funny, almost funny start thing uh, was that I wanted to get this idea of meeting. It's about meeting, okay? Worship is about meeting. And actually the, the word, um, the word worship both in the Old Testament and the New Testament actually means to bow. That's what it literally means, to bow. Now you hear different words, different, there are actually several words in the Greek for worship in the New Testament. But the main Old Testament word and the main New Testament word mean to bow. And it's like, it's like meeting somebody important. <laughs> it's like when Barry met Charles, I'm sure he bowed. Yeah? Do you not bow? You should, should you bow? I don't know. Anyway, if you met the Queen, you should definitely bow. It's that kind of bow. So when a, you met a ruler, you bowed. It's like a, oh, you're important. And actually, it came to mean not just the physical act of bowing, but something inside us an inner bowing of the heart, yeah? So it's when your heart bows. And the thing is, you can't see the heart. You can't see what really is going on inside. But that's what it means. It means something inside, a bang of the heart. But we can easily not understand who it is we're meeting. And I was thinking about this story where this woman meets Jesus, and she doesn't really know who he is, and it reminded me of Notting Hill. (laughs) Do you remember the film Notting Hill? (laughs) And if you don't know, so Hugh Bonneville plays this guy called Bernie. And uh, he comes in, he breezes into this, this meal, and he has no idea who the character Julia Roberts, she's playing this great actress called Anna. Annie? Oh, who cares? And um, so he just treats her like anybody else. Hello, nice to meet you, and just carries on. And then they have this conversation, and this is the second picture, where he's going oh, I used to do a bit of acting myself. Uh, <laughs> walk the broads. So, you know, there's not much money in acting, though, is there? You know, how much do you get paid? You know, I've got some friends only on seven, eight grand. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you get paid for the last film? And she goes, $15 million. And I kind of, the penny drops. And he goes, ah, oh. <laughs> I didn't realize who you, who you were. And that is a little bit what I think is the problem for a lot of people. is when they come to meet and worship God, they don't really realize who Jesus is. In fact, I don't think any of us fully realize who Jesus is. But the Bible says, actually, that it's like we're looking in a mirror dimly. So even the person who's known God for the longest and has worshipped him all their lives, they still don't fully grasp how great God is. And it's like, ah, you're important. (laughs) That's the response. And Jesus kind of uh, chats this through with this woman to try and help her understand who he really is. And I think it's just a fascinating 
fascinating story. You see, what's interesting about the Samaritans, well, they, they did have the Bible. They had the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So they, it wasn't like they didn't know anything. They got something. They knew about God and what he'd done in creation. And they knew something like that. And they knew this verse in Deuteronomy which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now that is really what I think worship is. It's loving God with everything. It's not just, um, it's the whole of us, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the mind matters. What we think matters. And um, so there's a fascinating thing that happens between this woman and Jesus. So he's talking about living water, and she's getting really interested. And then he kind of points out to her, well, you know, go and get your husband. He kind of probes her life and says, well, I I know what's really going on inside you. (laughs) You may... You know, you we're talking to it, but I know what's really going on in your inner being. Now, the challenge is that we don't realize that, but that is what God does. He, he searches our hearts, what's really going on inside of you. And um, she kind of then deflects and goes, oh, well, you know, you, you Jews say what we should worship at the temple. So she brings like a theological question in, almost like a distraction, like, well... Should it be over there or should it be over here? And Jesus said, hang on. No, 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 you're, you're missing the point. But what is really interesting, and I'm in, only because I'm a little bit nerdy, I got into this, uh, is that where they were, Jacob's Well, okay, this is a modern-day Google Maps image here. You see there, Jacob's Well, that's, that's the spot, or around that area anyway. And you see those two massive mountains. They're about, about the, a little bit lower than Snowdon. Okay, that's where they were. So when she says, "Should we worship on this mountain?" she's literally pointing right up there. They're at Jacob's well, and she's saying, "Should we worship on this mountain or back down in Jerusalem?" So he'd come up through. It's pretty rocky. You can see why they're tired. <laughs> and um, what's interesting is this mountain was important. So the Samaritans had a genuine, you know, why is we think it should be here. So they actually built a temple on that mountain, like a rival temple to Jerusalem. And uh, in around 400 BC, and it got uh, taken down eventually, destroyed about 200 BC. But the reason it was important was it was the first place Abraham came when he came into the land. It was like Abraham built an altar. He met with God. He heard God speak to him at that well, at that area. And Jacob... Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jake, you know, went down like that. This is all in the Pentateuch. Uh, Jacob bought land around there. I don't want to get, I could get really nerdy, but I'm not. I'm just trying to keep it. Now, what's interesting is that God had done stuff in that place. This place, Mount Gerizim, was important. So when the people of Israel, this is the last bit, I'm going to talk about this. The people of Israel had gone away into Egypt and then they came back. Moses said to uh, God spoke to Moses, go to Mount Gerizim and pronounce blessing. Pronounce blessing over the people on Mount Gerizim and curses over Mount Ebal, which is the one just up. So it's basically like a big visual aid. You can have a blessed life or you can have a cursed life. There's one mountain, there's another mountain. It's pretty, it's, the people were fairly basic and you know, God was keeping it fairly simple. You can have a good life or a bad life. 
It's your choice. Blessings or cursings. I just think it's amazing that, anyway, that's, I've got to be careful of time. So, but the problem with the Samaritans were well, they'd mixed. So they didn't just worship God, they worshipped other gods. And you'll see that in, in Kings. They, they kind of, synchro- they said they did, di- they did a bit of this, we also did a bit of that. They worshipped lots of different things. They didn't really know what they were doing. And they're so, like so many people who claim to worship God, they don't really know what they're doing. We need to know what we're doing. We need to understand. We need to love God with our minds. It's so important. See, worship is a response word to revelation. So the more you understand about who God is, the more you worship. So sometimes I think we've got to in the wrong order. We probably should have speaking and preaching first and then worship. In fact, I'm going to say this. At the start of our series, talking about gathered, um, we talk about uh, the, preach, the worship being a warm-up for the preach. It's just wrong, wrong vocabulary. Okay? The preach, speaking God's word, is worship. It's not like so it's, 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 the worship isn't a warm-up. It's all worship. So in the synagogues, they would have read scripture. That's worship. They would have prayed. That's worship. It's meeting with God is worship. They would have taught one another the truth about God. And it's really interesting. Uh, where's my clicker gone? It's really interesting, the Bible. Um, and I'll just show you this bit. Uh, so this is Jesus talking about, you know, you don't know. This bit here in Deuteronomy, they actually had a, a in the Old Testament, there was a promise. He said, I know the Messiah is coming. Well, this is the verse. There's a verse that says, Moses said to them, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. He's going to tell you the truth. So she was waiting for someone to tell her the truth. Jesus was that true. He says, I am he. So he says how, how important he was. But this is what I want us to get. These are the, when G, um, Paul talks about worship, and I've, I, only, I only realized this in studying for this message, and I'm so interested in this, so I hope you get some of it. These are two bits in the New Testament. I'm going to read it out. So the first one is from Colossians. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Okay? And then a very similar passage. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Some great verses on what we're supposed to do when we gather together. And that's our core subject. So we sing to God. But the thing I want you to notice is we also speak and sing to one another. In both of them, quite clearly. And actually, if you look at the, the Greek structure, it's really saying that the way we teach and admonish, so admonish means exhort, encourage, stir. The way we do it, is through singing. I was like, wow. We sing the truth. 
And psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, these are all just different types of songs to God. But the psalms do it. So a lot of the psalms, they speak to God, but they also speak to one another. As a horizontal, as a vertical, we come to God, but we're also telling the truth to one another. We're admonishing, we're teaching, we're helping. That's why they sang the scriptures. In the synagogue, they sing psalms. It's not great, you know, old, old style, but it's still, it's singing scripture, it's singing truth. That's loving God with your mind. You're not supposed to disengage your mind when you come and meet together on a Sunday morning. And in the week, when you're singing, the, the words help us engage with God in our heart. And I just love that. I love that fact that there is a, it's about truth. Jesus was saying to her, she said, well, what, you know, what's the truth he told her? The truth. He said, the Jews have got the greater revelation. They got the whole of the Old Testament. Salvation is from the Jews. It is from the line of Judah. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who's going to come. He's the one. He is the most important one, the figure of all history. So he, so he doesn't shy away from that is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God except through me. He's the only way to God. That's what Jesus said. He doesn't give you any options. He doesn't say, well, I'm just an option. That's what the Samaritans say. We're kind of trying the different options. Jesus says, no, no, there's not options. There's one true way. There's one only way to Jesus, to God. It's through Jesus. That's how important Jesus is. And um, I just want you to catch that one another thing. Actually, we're supposed to proclaim truth to one another. That's part of our sin. So we, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So I just want to encourage us. There should be a richness to the words of Christ in our meetings. In all the contributions, in the songs we sing and choose. It should be the words of Christ, the message of Christ. It takes us, takes the message and gets it into our hearts. That's what true worship is. Yeah? I just love that stuff. I could go on, on that for a while. True location of worship. We've kind of touched on this already, but he says it's not that mountain and it's not back in Jerusalem, it's in you. <laughs> That's where the true location of worship is. It's not over there, it's not anywhere else, it's not or that person or that person, no, it's, it's you. And the question is, are you a true worshipper? Is there really something going on inside you? See, the thing is that you can look in a meeting like this. You see, the Pharisees, you have to ask yourself, what's false worship? When you're asking what true worship is, what is false worship? Well, false worship is pretense. It's exterior. It's looking good on the outside. It's going along with everybody else, making it look like you're the same as everybody else. But actually, in your heart, not meaning it, not singing it from your heart. That's false worship. So Jesus had really harsh things to say about Pharisees. And it, I mean, if you read it, it's scary stuff. He talks about them being like whitewashed tombs. So it's literally saying, you're like a tomb. You're all white on the outside, but actually inside you're like death. You're dead. There's nothing inside you. That was pretty strong stuff, you know friendly Jesus. He was, he was 
But he wanted them. Actually, the passage before this, a Pharisee had turned up to meet with Jesus in secret because he didn't want to be seen by all his mates because he was a bit embarrassed. But So he went secretly to see Jesus. But he knew Jesus was saying some good stuff. And actually, in his heart, something was changing. He was becoming a worshiper. But the Pharisees, they loved the prominent seats in the synagogue, it says. And uh, my favorite bit is in Luke 18, where Jesus tells a story. He says, there was two men going to God, meeting with God. One was a Pharisee, and he came and he said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like everybody else, that I'm special, <laughs> that I am wonderful, and I've followed your words, and I've done all these good things. And then a guy comes in at the back, and he can't even look to God, it says. He can't even look. He's right at the back. <laughs> Balcony, <laughs> I'm looking. He's right at the back, and he can't even, he, he just thinks, I am so useless. I have messed up my life so badly, you know. And God says, he went home justified. He truly worshipped. He was honest with God. See, when it says in spirit and in truth, it's not saying two things. It's saying one thing. You, your inner being. That's where you've got to worship. True worship is in you. And it's got to be your spirit connecting with God's spirit, but also your mind connecting with it's everything. And it's not like... God has changed the rules and gone, well, there's a new type of, I'm looking for something new now. God has always been looking for true worship. It wasn't when he says this, he wasn't like, he wasn't pleased in the Old Testament when they were just going through the motions and their lips were praising him, but their hearts were far from him. And so, when you meant, there's a story about David getting chosen to be uh, king. And he says there were seven brothers, all looked great on the outside. But God looked at his heart. And David wrote all these songs. It were called Psalms in the Old Testament. And he, he said this in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. It's everything inside of me. I'm giving everything to God. That's what it means. It wasn't like, oh, now we're in the New Testament, I want true worshippers. No, he'd always wanted true worshippers. And he always will want true worshippers. People who mean it in their hearts. And are honest with God. And that's what's encouraging about this passage. This woman is the woman, this woman who's had five husbands, and now she's living with a guy. It's her he speaks to about worship. It's not the Pharisee. He speaks to the woman because he wants real people. God doesn't want perfect people. He wants real people in his, who are honest with him, not pretense not putting on an exterior, but being honest with God, saying, look, this is where I'm at. I've messed up. God loves that. He loves honesty. That's the truth, spirit and truth. Truth is the honesty in us in, with God, me and God being honest with one another. And uh, it says in Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You've got to watch your own inner being, if you like. Because it's easy to get off track, to go, to cool off. I was thinking, it just been so helpful for me, just thinking about the subject of true worship, because I remember there's times in my life where there have been certain songs I've sang, and I've been really all out. But you get busy with work and life, and you think, have I, have I lost, 
Have I lost a bit of that spark, that inner fire? Have I, am I just going through the motions? It's really searching stuff when you look at this subject of true worship. Do I really mean it in my heart? Am I giving God everything? Okay. And lastly, oh, that's not lastly. This is uh, William Barclay. He just talks about the fact that it's inside. Okay, we're going to skip on from that. Feel more, slightly shorter and easier to read. What matters is not the location of the worshipper's feet, but the orientation of the worshipper's heart. That's what I've been trying to say on this point. That's the location is inside. And you can get Pharisees in charismatic churches, and you can get them in traditional churches. And only God knows. Only God sees the heart. So don't judge other churches and say, well, they're not like us. It's not about style. It's about heart. It's not what you do on the outside. It's what's going on in the inside that matters to God. And God loves true worshippers, wherever they are, whatever style of church they go to. He loves them. And this is Spurgeon. God does not regard our voices. He hears our hearts. And if our hearts do not sing, we've not sung at all. It's just an empty sound. So what's the overflow of true worship? Well, the overflow... See, worship is, is not just singing on a Sunday. You can sing any day of the week. Uh, but it's not just singing. It's, it's God's Spirit filling our spirits. So that's what John talked about last week. This kind of thing of... We experience God's spirit. And if you really experience God, this is my point here, if you really experience God, it can't help but change you. You will be a different person. And this is where I, you know, I get concerned that you know, we want to see the real deal. Don't we? we want to see the real change. I love that contribution earlier about tomorrow can be different. Tomorrow can be different. And God can change us. But the way he changes us is by us meeting with him. It's not by uh, following rules. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They knew the scriptures, but they didn't come to God. They didn't come to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you. They kind of shied away from personal intimacy and wholeheartedness to God. They just wanted a little bit of religion and didn't really want it to interfere with life. Jesus wants to break out all over our lives. And he wants, to, he wants to fill us with his love and fill us with his heart. You see, the closer you get to God, the more you understand what God wants. The more you feel what God feels. The more you think what God thinks. His message and his mission become part of what you want to be part of. It rubs off on you. So in, John, in uh, John's letter at the end, it says, people who say, I love God and yet hate their brother haven't really met God. Because if you met God, you would experience, as we meet God, you experience the love of God in pouring out, says in Romans, into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So that must change your heart to other people. So the true worshippers... I want to say this, the true worshippers are people who love others. 
The two simple, most important commandments in the Bible. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. That fulfills the whole deal, Jesus says, when he's being questioned. That's it. It's loving others. And what you realise is that that's where God's heart is. He loves people. He loved this woman at the well. Although she'd had a really tough life and things had got broken for her. He loved her. He wanted to make her new. But she had to come honestly to him. And that's what um, this is all about. But it's not about stirring something up inside us. It's a response to God's love. And this is a a quote out of um, a book by Gordon Fee. It says this, The focus of worship is not so much our attitude to God as we sing, but an awareness of his towards us. And the words in that passage I was looking at earlier, when it says gratitude heart, so actually it's talking about grace in your heart, the charis, grace. It's realising that he loves you so much that he's come to make a way that you can be forgiven. Your past, her past, all of our past can be wiped clean. That's the great news. And that, that brings thankfulness. And thankfulness is the thing that should overflow. Just a thankful heart. And so you get these things in these two passages here. Gratitude in your heart to God. Always giving thanks. It's easier said than done. But that is the overflow. When you realise all that God has done for you, all that he is, that is the thing that produces worship. Understanding in our minds the revelation of who he is. Understanding the location is our hearts and then giving him everything and overflowing with love for other people. That is, that is it in a nutshell. I've got more quotes, but I feel like I've said enough. Thank you for listening. It would be great if the band could come up. And um, I just want to encourage you, if you're not yet a Christian, and you think, well, maybe some of you are crazy, but actually, I want to meet this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. Then you can do that in your heart. You just speak to him like anybody else. Speak to him in normal words, normal language. Say, Jesus. I want to follow you. Come into my life. Change me. I mean it in here, in my heart. Come and be my Lord. Okay. Thank you. Okay, I think it'd be great if we stood together. Let's stand together. I've been hearing from Rob about what true worship is, God wanting to encounter us, wanting to meet with us, the living God amongst us. That's what we've it's been the focus of our worship this morning. And um, this is a moment where we can be honest with God. I think God loves us being honest. He loves us being honest, where we can say to him, you know, I've had a tough week. This has gone on. He loves the fact when we are real with him. When you say, God, I I don't really know you, but I want to know you, that's real. God loves it. And as you do that, what happens is God comes by his grace, by his spirit, and he brings grace. You start to understand, you get a revelation of what Jesus did for you. 
God sent his son for you. The son of God crossed the cosmos, left heaven's glory, became a man just like us, that we might know that there's a God in heaven who loves us, fathers us. Extraordinary. And he cares for us and he loves us with the apple of his eye beautiful stuff and as you start to get a revelation of the you just start to get overwhelmed by the love of God and God breaks in and everything changes and your heart starts to sing and we're going to do that now we're going to sing a song about Jesus and the wonder of God and we're going to honor him and as we do that, I want you to, right now, just as the musicians are playing quietly, just be you be honest with God exactly where you're at. In your heart, just be saying, God, this is where I'm at. If you want to meet him, just say, I need to meet with you. I want to know you as a, my father, God. I want, to, I want to know that. Maybe you've had a really difficult situation. Just lay it before him so you know.